Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Wednesday edition of the program. So glad to have you with us. We're headed into week three of college football. And without question, a lot of interest in Indiana and Louisville. Do you expect a competitive game on Saturday? I think the late latest I saw, Louisville still about a 10.5 point favorite over the Hoosiers in the rivalry game. We found out yesterday the only rivalry game of that series. It started as a three-game series. Indiana backed out, I think it was in August, from the third of three games. And yesterday, reports uh, breaking from the Indianapolis Star that Indiana paying to get out of next year's game, which I assume has something to do with the additional Big Ten teams being added in and a competitive schedule and trying to set things up for success, which is tough at Indiana when it comes to football. But we're headed into that. Basketball recruiting, moving along, local sports. We're into the fall sports season. There's no question about that. We are cruising through the high school football season. Last night was it appeared to be a big rivalry night with some local games in soccer and volleyball, so we'll highlight some of that stuff coming up here in our opening segment as well. But just a busy time and a fun time, and as we move through football season in the fall, we are getting closer and closer to the start of the basketball season. I saw yesterday Indiana put out a release that their annual men's and women's basketball media day has been set for Wednesday, September 20th at Assembly Hall. That's an opportunity for media to speak with coaches and players and get photos and uh, just uh, get a lot all in one day, all in one setting from both the men's and the women's team. So it uh, looks like Mike Woodson and Trey Galloway and Xavier Johnson will be in the press conference portion of the media day from the men's side. Terry Morin and then senior guards Sidney Parrish and Sarah Scalia are set to take place on the uh, women's side of the press conference. And then you get the opportunity uh, later in the day, kind of roundtable type discussions to sit down and interview individual players or players in small group settings. So uh, that has really been, for me, the signal that basketball season is around the corner because so much comes out of that day. You get the chance finally after a long offseason to get some updates from the coaching staff. You get a chance to ask players from the top of the roster to the bottom of the roster a lot of questions about off-season development and their thoughts on the season. And it just leads to a lot of good content and typically a lot of good discussion here on our show. So that event coming up next week, it'll be here soon. And uh, that's kind of, for me, the official start of things. When that hits, you know, Hoosier hysteria is weeks away, and following that, the season and official practices are here. Uh, so fun times ahead when it comes to IU basketball. And I think 
Somebody asked me this yesterday. You know, what what do you realistically see for the Hoosiers this year? Uh, that's a tough question. I don't know that I've uh, set a win total or set where I think Indiana will be at, what my projection or prediction is in the Big Ten Conference. But I do think Indiana could be really fun to watch. I do think Indiana could be good, uh, but there's so much unknown because there are so many new players coming in that are expected to play key roles. And, of course, you've got Xavier Johnson back coming off of an injury. So will he be back at his pre-injury status? Has he been able in the offseason with workouts to elevate his game? How do some of the other players step in from last season? Or maybe the better thing to say is step up from last season. But my gut feeling is I think Indiana can be pretty good. And I think others feel that way as well. Um, but kind of curious. Some of the media people aren't picking Indiana to be very high in the Big Ten Conference. So uh, we'll see. We'll get closer to that, get further into that discussion. But I think it could be a fun, exciting season for Indiana basketball this year. Uh, let's look at the show lineup, the service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, right now we've got our Hoosier headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. We'll talk about IU basketball recruiting in the opening segment, uh, we'll talk about a couple women's basketball notes today as well from an IU perspective. And then I want to go through some of the local high school happenings last night as well, all in segment one. Later today on Wednesdays, we have Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star. We'll talk college hoops and football with Dustin in that segment. And then we'll wrap the show up today. Uh, in segment three with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. We'll take a look at high school football this Friday night. I can tell you that a lot of our discussion will center around what I think will be one of the great games of this weekend and this season, and that is Providence and Charlestown. The undefeated Pioneers will take on a Charlestown team that's had some success and had a couple bumps in the road as well this season, but I think it will be a good game, a good matchup. Really kind of a big test for Charlestown. Perhaps their only test on the regular season schedule as they sit undefeated, looking at a lot of winnable games ahead after the Charlestown matchup. So if you're looking for a place to go on Friday night, I highly recommend Charlestown High School and the Boneyard there. I think it'll be an outstanding game. Providence and Charlestown coming up on Friday night. Just hard to believe we're moving so quickly through the uh, high school football season. That's the lineup for today. A service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Why not try Honey Baked Ham in New Albany today for a delicious lunch? They've got great sandwiches, salads, and soups that are made fresh daily, and they will surely satisfy any craving you might have. You might also find something to take home as they have a variety of dinner packages as well. Give Honey Baked Ham in New Albany a try. I think you'll be glad you did. All right, let's look at the Thornton's text line for today. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That is the Thornton's text line. Send in questions and comments, and what do you think about the IU basketball season? Uh, give your opinion. That often leads to great discussion, great questions for some of the wonderful guests that we have on our program. It can be IU stuff. It can be local stuff. It can be a complaint. It can be whatever you want, as long as it's reasonable. Uh, and we'll, we'll get it on the air today here on our program, 502-414-1450. If you're looking for an icy, cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction, right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. 
So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's. Let's get into some uh, headlines, our Hoosier headlines today. Another day, another IU scholarship offer. As all of the focus really right now is on some of the key 2024 prospects for Indiana with some of the big campus visits that they've had, another scholarship offer out yesterday to a class of 2025 prospect. His name is Tyler Jackson. He is six foot three, a point guard. He is the number 13th ranked player in the 2025 class, according to 247 Sports. Jackson is originally from Baltimore, and for high school season, he'll be at Overtime Elite, which is that kind of transitional program to help players get ready for the next level, whether it be college, whether it be professional basketball. But another big name that IU early on has offered, and I know that Indiana uh, still has yet to strike in the 24 class, They are involved with so many of the big names. They are in battles with Kansas and Duke and other Big Ten schools for some of these players. They are involved with so many young players in the 2025 class. Obviously, that starts with Jalen Harrelson, who we talked about a lot yesterday as an in-state player. But I really struggle to remember a time, and this has come up here in the last month or so, but I really struggle to remember a time where Indiana was as involved with as many elite-level guys as they are right now, as they have been the last year or so with Mike Woodson and the coaching staff. I think Kenya Hunter, Yasir Roseman specifically, those guys with Mike Woodson's NBA connections and resume seem to be very connected to some of the key people in the world of grassroots and high school basketball. And again, I know proof is in the pudding, right? You've got to land some of these guys. You've got to, on a consistent basis, put really good recruiting classes together. You're going to have to shock a couple people by beating Kansas or beating other Blue Bloods for some of these guys. But I don't know where it goes from here. I have a feeling, and I think others do as well, that follow it a lot closer to me. Indiana has the potential to big to bring in some big fish here in the 24 class this fall. And it seems like they're setting themselves up very well uh, with some of the younger players also. And as I mentioned earlier this week, after the big weekend of official visits, Indiana really seems to be doing a great job with all the social media stuff and the marketing stuff and the photos and the videos and the things that are so important to college athletes and really even high school athletes as well and branding and getting it set up for NIL opportunities. So I don't know if it's just me, but I do feel like Indiana is at least involved with Uh, a lot of big-name players, at least a player, again, for some of the nation's best high school talent. Uh, Do you feel that way? Or you know, maybe you can't feel that way until they get a couple of these guys committed and and signed on the dotted line. But it just seems to me that Indiana is going after some of the best out there. And as far as getting involved, making list cuts, being a player, getting visits uh, from those guys – They've passed those tests. Now this fall, can they reel in some of the big names that they've been tracking now for a number of years? But add uh, Tyler Jackson from Baltimore playing at Overtime Elite, which I think is based in Atlanta, Georgia, if I'm correct. But add Tyler Jackson to the list of big name, uh, I'm talking top 20 type players that Indiana is involved with right now between the 24, 25, and starting to get involved in the 2026 classes as well. Also, a recruiting decision is going to come to a head today. Uh, There's a player, Jaden Mustaf, 
uh, or Mustaf, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. He is set to make his college announcement later today. Indiana recently made his list of six schools, Georgia Tech, North Carolina State, Maryland, Florida State, Arkansas, and Indiana were on his final list. Mustaf is a six foot five guard, and a lot of people think that he is going to commit to Georgia Tech today when he makes his uh, decision. I saw that on three recruiting, uh, their experts have uh, Georgia Tech 247. Those guys have Georgia Tech tabbed as the favorite to land uh, Mustaf. But he's a four star player, number 28 in the country. Uh, number 48 by on three, number 48 by rivals as well if you're keeping score at home. Uh, so there you go. We'll see if Indiana has a chance, although it doesn't uh, seem like it. And interestingly enough, Mustaf also uh, going to be that overtime elite, which is a professional basketball league that was started in 2021, uh, kind of for the best of the best that don't want to go the traditional high school route. So don't expect Indiana to get a commitment later today. All odds are on Georgia Tech landing Jaden Mustaf when he makes his decision later this afternoon. Also, it's always fun any time of the year, especially in February and early March, but it's always time fun any time of the year to follow bracketology. And Joe Lenardi, one of the originals out there for ESPN that got all this madness started years ago, Uh, He updated his latest projections as the college basketball season draws a little closer, and he has Indiana still as a number 10 seed uh, as far as the upcoming 2024 uh, NCAA tournament goes. So he's got Purdue and Michigan State as number one seeds. He's got Illinois as a number five seed, Wisconsin a number seven seed, Maryland, number eight as a seed. Northwestern is ninth. Rutgers and Ohio State among the first four teams out. And then Iowa was one of the next four out. So a lot of Big Ten teams we expect, as always, almost every year, to be in play for the NCAA tournament this season. But that is where Lenardi, uh, the bracketologist, that's where he's got Indiana at at least about two months out from the start of the regular season. A couple IU women's basketball notes that I want to mention, and it's always fun to talk about Grace Berger because she's got some great local connections here to our Southern Indiana community. But Grace Berger, former IU basketball standout, was named a WNBA All-Rookie by the Associated Press, the All-Rookie team. She was the number seven pick overall. She averaged 4.2 points, 1.6 rebounds, and 1.4 assists per season in her rookie year playing for her hometown or in-state, I should say, Indiana Fever franchise. So Berger, I think, has a bright future, a little rocky start as far as finding a role and getting some consistent playing time with the Fever earlier in the season. But uh, she found her way, and boy, she has a lot of fans from her time at Indiana and then staying in-state playing professional basketball. And it's a name, obviously, local with connections to uh, our communities locally, although she played her high school basketball over in Louisville, kind of grew up playing the game in southern Indiana. So always need to see good headlines out there about Grace Berger. And another former IU women's basketball standout, Allie Patberg, she's been on Coach Morin's staff uh, as a support assistant, kind of on a staff position. Uh, she is going to become a assistant coach 
in addition to her other duties, it sounds like, for the upcoming season. Keep in mind the NCAA adding an assistant coach position that can actually be on the floor, do the coaching, be involved in practices in addition to other roles in the program. So when I saw the announcement on Pat Berg yesterday, I think it makes a lot of sense. She's a Columbus uh, North graduate, Miss Basketball in our state, uh, started at Notre Dame, finished at Indiana, had some great years for the Hoosiers, helping them do some great things with women's basketball. But it got me wondering, who will Mike Woodson tab as the next assistant coach on the men's side of things. It won't be a recruiting position. There can still be only the uh, normal amount of assistance out on the road, but who will be that uh, assistant coach? Will it be somebody new? At this point, you think likely it would be somebody that gets bumped up internally that could all already be on the coaching staff. You know, there was mention of Calvert Chaney, but maybe he doesn't want that extra responsibility or role. There was talk about Jordan Halls. He could fit that role nicely as a former player that's already involved with Coach Woodson on his support staff. So that will be interesting to see. But there is an opening as things stand as far as a assistant coach position, a new position that has been uh, created or allowed, I should say, by the NCAA. Some good high school sports last night. Floyd Central and Providence, a local volleyball rivalry last night. Providence got the best of Floyd Central. They swept Floyd Central, a solid Floyd Central team up in Floyd's knobs last night. So a big win for the Pioneers, but that's par for the course. Terry Perica, her Providence teams, always seem to be the class of Southern Indiana volleyball and oftentimes the class of the Hoosier State uh, with all the success that they've had. And a local uh, team, Borden, who's making some noise in small school volleyball. Last night with a win over Henryville, uh, the Braves in volleyball clinched at least a share of the Southern Athletic uh, Conference Championship. So the Borden Braves in 1A really making some noise this season. And then last night, a soccer game of interest. New Albany uh, came back and defeated Providence last night. Uh, three, two to one. Excuse me. The score and uh, on Tuesday night at Murphy Stadium at Providence. It was a big win for New Albany. Not only a rivalry game, Providence, a great soccer program as well. But New Albany was defeated seven nothing. I saw uh, over the weekend against Castle, who's really good in soccer. Uh, so uh, New Albany able to bounce back and knock out Providence. 2-1 last night, and Providence is number 5 in Class 2A, so a good win for uh, New Albany soccer last night. Also, just a note, I saw this from my friend Jason Frakes of the Courier-Journal. Uh, the KHSAA, the equivalent of the Indiana High School Athletic Association in Kentucky, is having a board of control meeting, so similar to the board of directors in Indiana. They're not going to vote on this today, but they are going to discuss their transfer rule. When a transfer is ruled ineligible, according to Jason, eight times out of ten, that transfer in Kentucky is ruled eligible following going through the appeal process. So is the KHSAA, he writes, banging its head against the wall. My point is they're going to discuss today the potential, not vote, but the potential of what a one-time free transfer could look like. And it seems like transfers in big cities, Indianapolis, Louisville, they've been going on for years, but everywhere now, every sport, you have to double-check rosters, people make moves, people move, job changes happen, but a lot of this is not happy with coach or didn't like my role on the team or thought 
should have been playing varsity and not junior varsity. It's just the way of our world now when it comes to youth and high school sports. So a lot more moves, a lot more transfers. A lot of times they seem to go through and the player is eligible. Other times they are hotly contested and uh, are turned down. Sometime appeal processes, I don't even know off the top of my head, the appeal process currently for the Indiana High School Athletic Association. But do one-time transfers in high school sports make sense? Uh, boy, just a number of years ago, I would have been adamantly against that to keep up the tradition of high school sports, that you play where you live, you represent the community from which you're from and where you grow up, unless you go to a private school or a religious school. But things are changing, and I think it's time to at least consider it. I don't know that I'm for it, but I'll be curious to see what they have to say in Kentucky today as far as maybe looking at updating their transfer rule. That's a look at our headlines for this Wednesday edition of the program. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star will talk IU football, basketball, college football, college basketball, and more. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Wednesday edition of the program. The Thornton's text line open, that number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star is my guest. Dustin covers the Pacers for the Star and joins us on Wednesdays to talk a little bit of everything, including IU basketball, football, and more. And Dustin, I know last week we talked about Team USA in the FIBA World Cup of Basketball we kind of assumed that it would likely be the United States and Canada in a, we thought, really competitive gold medal game. That didn't work out at all on either side of that. A disappointing finish, for sure, for United States at the World Cup. That said, I've already seen that LeBron James and a handful of other NBA studs are planning, it appears, to at least consider or put their name in the hat for the Olympics a couple summers from now. So the lack of success, again, reminds me of a number of years back for Team USA, but it seems to have gotten the attention of LeBron James and some of the other really good NBA stars. Yeah, next summer, actually. I mean, like, obviously on a tightened timeline because of, uh, of COVID, you know, having pushed back uh, the 2020 Olympics to 21, and then you have the FIBA now, and, then, and now you go back to uh, the Olympics next summer. I mean, this is, uh, honestly, it's kind of a typical thing. Um, as we talked, I think, earlier in, in this rotation, the, the World Cup is never as big of a priority uh, as the Olympics are. It, it is a different game. You know, obviously, the Olympics are a much bigger stage. Uh, even though the World Cup is an international tournament, it always does well. It gets really, really good players. It doesn't usually get the best. Um, and so that this obviously uh, tends to, to do that. I mean, like, there's a reason, you know, a, a big reason why the Regime team came together was they had a bad 04 Olympics and then they had a bad World Cup. And this all, whenever the U.S. loses in an international competition, it, te- it seems to fire up uh, the superstars who get bothered by the idea of talking, of, of fearing that the U.S. is down and then they throw their names in the hat. 
now, does that mean that after LeBron and Curry and Durant come back uh, for another run at the Olympics, they'll come back in 2026 or whatever, uh, or 2027 to run it back in the World Cup? Probably not. Uh, most likely, no. Uh, they usually don't react that way, but usually some stumbles in the World Cup tend to lead to a stronger team in the Olympics. And again, I mean, the, 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 the U.S. hasn't lost, hasn't failed to win gold in the Olympics since 2004. So as much as we talk about uh, the downfall of American basketball every time we, they, there's a stumble in the World Cup, you know, everybody gets back together and puts together a good enough team uh, to win the Olympics. I mean, I think... This wasn't a horrible team. It just it, it, it had clear flaws, you know. Obviously, uh, you know, defensively it was an issue. Size-wise, it was an issue. I and mean, they really just got killed on the glass in that Germany game. Uh, and then Canada, they were missing a couple guys: Jaren Jackson, Brandon Ingram, um, and I think not Portis. Um, there was somebody else who was missing, and that on oh, Bank Bancaro. So that obviously put them behind the eight ball a little bit in the Canada game, which was different than being a bronze medal game in the first place. A lot of running and gunning, and Dylan Brooks goes off, and Shai Gilgis Alexander goes off, and, and that obviously doesn't put you in a great position. Um, so I, mean, I think there's some positive things that they can take from this team. I think there's some things that did well, and when it was winning, it was likable. Uh, you know, there, there have been some other bad U.S. teams uh, that that didn't weren't nearly as entertaining or, or weren't nearly as competitive. Uh, this group was pretty good. It just you know caught a bad stretch of a couple games, but uh, but like you said, any time the U.S. loses on international competition, everybody gets a little bit inspired. And uh, it will be really cool to see one last, uh, I presume this will be the last LeBron run, possibly the last KD run. And Curry would finally get in the Olympics if he does it because he's been injured uh, for previous Olympics. So that would be a really cool trio if they get those guys together and build some math. Dustin Dopirak joining us. Dustin with the Indianapolis Star, and he is with us Wednesdays on the show. Yesterday, Indiana announced its annual media day coming up on September 20th. Dustin, you've been at many of those over the years covering IU basketball, both the men and the women. I think for media people and journalists like you, uh, that media day really signals it's time to dig in deep on IU basketball in the upcoming season because uh, from that point forward, you're close to Hoosier hysteria, you're close to the start of practices, and you're close to exhibition games. Absolutely. I mean, obviously it picks up the heat because usually when you're covering IU basketball, you're also covering IU football. So now that's when you start doubling up. Uh, that's when, you know, you've got to follow both tracks at once and it gets really, really busy. But yeah, I mean, and, and it's, you know, it, it's a big, uh, it's a big event for us because it gives us a, a, a lot more kind of direct opportunity to sit down with guys to, to you know, have, uh, you know, interviews that aren't necessarily divided by, you know, between you and the podium and whatnot. And you get that, you know, and you get to see all of them, even if they are on the podium. Um, so it, it starts you off. It gets you going through your kind of preseason coverage, your features, your profiles, your kind of big picture stories as to where the program is going. And, and yeah, after that, it gets starts to get intense pretty quick. Again, you have Hoosier Hysteria that comes up. Sometimes you have another exhibition or, you know, kind of uh, inter-squad scrimmage. I remember back in the Korean days, there was uh, Haunted House of Hoops and whatnot where they would have uh, Halloween scrimmages. And I think they, they needed to have one for Cody Zeller's visit. Basically, I think Cody couldn't make Hoosier Hysteria, so they set them up for that. Uh, and I think that helped uh, them get him landed um, on, on that recruiting trail. And so... It, it's it's it is a significant event. It, it's obviously earlier and earlier every year. As you get to practice a little bit earlier, get started a little bit earlier, and you know just really valuable time. You know for reporters to get to really talk to these guys, get a sense of what's going on behind the scenes. Um, you know you know what the guys are seeing. You know who they're impressed with. You'll get a better sense of who they are and 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 how they see themselves and their teammates. 
Dustin Dopierak, the Indianapolis Star, my guest. Um, you get a chance to hear from some of the key players. There's roundtable discussions where you can sit down and get information on others and quotes from other players as well. Um, who, who would be the player, I don't know if you're going this year because of your Pacers assignment, but who would be the player right now that you would be most interested to chat with, talk to, and why? That's a good question. I, I, I'm not because I am Pacers devoted at this point. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in, I mean, everybody. I mean, like, as I said kind of before with this group, uh, you know, there's so many people exchanging directions um, that, you know, are, are going to be in different places that you're sort of interested by everybody. I mean, you're always interested in the new guys. You're interested in Tello Ware, obviously, for a guy coming in uh, that's going to be, you know, expected to, to play like a superstar because he's going to be expected to be a first-round pick. Um, so kind of get a sense from him, like, what went... You know, I guess wrong at Oregon. What can you learn? What do you expect to change? How, how, you know, how do you think you fit in with this group? You know, just what's this been like? I mean, I think where would be obviously a, a, a central feature piece. You know, Xavier Johnson. I think obviously coming off the injury, coming off even you know going back to the arrest last year, he had a pretty uh, you know uh, happening and not a particularly good way. Twenty twenty two, twenty three, um, and so okay, what's what's he thinking for his sixth year? Uh, you know, he was a guy that expected to be gone after two or three. Um, and so, you know, he was on an all-ACC, you know, rookie team when he was a freshman with guys like Zion and R.J. Barrett and, uh, uh, shoot, the, um, Colby White um, with, some, with some loaded players, and he expected to be out of here by now. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, how is he kind of doing having a sixth year in the first place? What does he want out of it? You know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, like, again, renew, basically trying to build off of, you know, the, the good from last year and, and get past the shaky parts. Caleb Banks, CJ Guns, Kai Newton, Mackenzie Mbokbo, how does he see himself? Peyton Sparks, literally everybody's an interesting story. I think this is one of those teams. You know, last year, Trace was such the centerpiece. You know, going into it, it was like, okay, this is Trace's senior year. This is Trace's last ride. And everything was kind of centered around him. And then you had Jalen Pichofino, who had a sense, could be a one and done. And you really looked at those two guys, and that they ended up being, you know, even more central than I thought they would be because I thought, obviously, Johnson and Pichofino would be playing together, and that would be its own issue. Um, but now you lose those two guys, and there's a whole bunch of possibilities for other guys to step up into big roles. Some of those guys are new. Some of those guys are back. Um, I'd want to talk to everybody, and, and you want to talk to Galloway, obviously, because he's the guy who's seen it all and, and knows what it's going to take. Um, so, you know, there's, there's nobody on that list that I wouldn't want to talk to and, and that I don't see a lot of opportunity to get something out of. Talking with Dustin Dopierak of the Indianapolis Star, IU Media Day set for September 20th, and bracketology is already out there. I know we talked about this some over the summer, but Indiana a 10 seed, according to Joe Lenardi. Some media project Indiana to be eighth place in the Big Ten Conference. As we get closer to the season, it may be feel a little bit more confident in our knowledge of the roster somewhat without seeing practices or any games yet. Where are your predictions for IU this year? I mean, that probably fits. I mean, I haven't broken down the whole league to kind of look at who's where, um, as I did last season. Um, you know, obviously, there's you know, you look at Purdue and you look at Michigan State. You, you see teams that are expected to be in the top there that they could be top five teams. And after that, it'll probably everybody will kind of file in after that. But I mean, like considering them as kind of middle of the pack, six, seven, eight, uh, makes sense because you just really don't know who they're going to be yet. Um, you know, when you when you lose two guys uh, to NBA caliber players like they did in Huchifino and Jackson Davis, you know, and one's an All American, another one of one, you know, just misses being a lottery pick. 
um, you know, that's going to change you drastically. And you're looking at a lot of guys that are going to be stepping up into new and bigger roles, guys that are coming from elsewhere that are expected to do uh, more in some ways than they did a year ago. Obviously, Kilauea, again, you're, you're coming in and you're expecting to get the guy that Oregon recruited, uh, but and more more than the production that Oregon got. You're looking at, you know, Peyton Sparks coming up from Ball State. Can that guy be productive at, at nearly the same level? Is Mackenzie and Bakbo going to reach, uh, you know, basically his, level of promise as a freshman. Can he be a one and done caliber guy that, you know, it, and which would put you uh, as an all big ten player. You know, I mean generally that's kind of what it comes down to. Can you be you don't have to be first team necessarily uh, to be a one and guy one done guy in the Big Ten, but can you be at least a top three team guy and, you know, show off the physical gifts? Um, is he going to be that? Can can renew make a leap? And you're just there's a lot of questions um, in terms of what they can be and it's sort of everybody's got to hit the floor first. You know, it's like a it's a you know, like a compound that has to hit the air before you know how it's going to react to the world around it. You know, this team has to hit the air before you have any sense of what it's going to be. Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. Recruiting is the big thing right now. Indiana's had so many big visits. Mike Woodson is in New York today speaking at a coach's clinic at Archbishop's. Let me get that right. Archbishop <laughs> Stepanak High School in mm. New York, which just happens to be the home of Boogie Fland, a recruit that Indiana has been tracking for a long time. I know Coach Woodson and Yasir Roseman were uh, at Boogie Fland's home for an in-home visit last night. Um, I, I know this has come up. I know some of this is repeat from the summer and off-season chatter, but Dustin, I have followed IU recruiting for a long time. And it really seems to me, I know there needs to be proof in the pudding and more commitments and signings and so forth, but it's hard to remember a time when Indiana was involved with as many what I'll call elite-level recruits as what they are right now. Mike Woodson and his staff seem to be extremely connected uh, to at least get in the door and get serious with some of these elite guys and be willing to compete with the Kansases and the Dukes and the other Blue Bloods of college basketball. Do you agree with that take? And I guess what does Indiana need to do to cement that? I guess it comes down to commitments, right? Yeah, and I mean, you, you, need to, uh, cement, you need to win and you need to put people in the NBA. Um, you know, that's kind of what it comes down to. I mean, I think that's – and, and the caution that I would throw in there um, is that I've always you – know, my, my read has generally been you have to be able to balance the, you know, going for the gold when it comes to national-level recruits with an in-state base and be able to sort of rely on a steady stream of talent coming in so that you always know you're going to have a base level, but then swing for the fences and go get these – you know, five-star guys, the Boogie Flans of the world, you know, the Dylan, Chase, the Dylan Harpers, you know, uh, you know, Liam McNeilis, obviously it helps that you're in good shape with Montverde. You know, you got to get commitments, and those commitments have to turn into NBA players um, as much as you can. I mean, you, you got to prove that you can get there from Indiana. Um, and Dylan Huchitino goes a long way as far as that's concerned. Obviously, you know, that's a, it was a great way to really cement, um, you know, that I think kind of cements you with Montverde. That doesn't mean you're going to get every guy. But you have a credible case to make anytime you go back down there. If you say, okay, Jalen Huchipino came came for me, came to play point guard one year, you know, was a you know top twenty five, you know, fringe five star recruit. I think he ended up being a five star, but he was kind of on that edge. Um, you know, a top thirty, top twenty five guy might have been twenty one, twenty two by that time it was all said and done. But he wasn't number one. He wasn't top five. He wasn't top ten. He was ahead of other guys um, that got recruited above him. So that matters. I think um, I, I think that's relevant that you can point to and say this guy ended up getting better and sort of outperforming um, his recruiting class rank uh, in the way he ended up being drafted. And then from there, obviously, you see what he does in the NBA. Is he ready for it? Um, 
I presume he's not going to walk into walk on the Lakers roster and start. But if he goes and makes an impact as a second unit point guard, you know that's something that you can point to. So all of that, you know, the, the success when you get them, when it wins and losses makes a difference, and your ability to turn them in the, in the NBA players makes a difference. But you keep going there, you keep sticking your nose in, and and you're right. I mean, they they do keep going after uh, players nationwide. I mean, again, I just think the one concern that you would have is that you know you they do sometimes go a long time between commitments. Um, and it would, I think, and I'm not saying the class is, it, it, you know, how, how the state is built at that point in time makes a difference in this, too. So, I mean, I, I, and I can't speak to that as much, um, but you have to be able to also develop a base of just pretty good players that aren't necessarily superstars that kind of keep your just base-level talent at a, at a solid level. And, and so that's the one concern I have about the recruiting. I think you can overswing and spend too much, much time on the five-stars. Um, but, you know, you need them to win. You, you can't not get it um, and be able to be, uh, you know, to win the Big Ten. Whether if, whether it's five stars or, or high fours, you've got to have all first-team, all Big Ten caliber guys if you're going to win the league. So you've got to be able to go after the Boogie Flans in the world. I hope that's what they turn into. Dustin Dopirak, the Indianapolis star. Dustin, always great to catch up and get your expertise on so many subjects. Thanks. We'll talk again next week. Hey, real quick, Absolutely. you got to tell us. You got to give us a little prediction on IU football. I can't let you go without bringing that up. Any <laughs> thoughts on the Louisville game, real quick, as we get out? I mean, my first thought is they're probably going to lose, just because you know um, it, it's Indiana. I mean, I've just seen a lot of Indiana losses. I've seen a lot of situations where they come into okay, if you win this game, you put yourself in a really good position, and they tend not to win it. Um, but I think this obviously is the game where you find out how good they really are. Obviously, you go from playing a team that's kind of too good to get that sense in game one and a team that's probably too bad to get that sense in game two in Ohio State and Indiana State where Ohio State is just above your caliber uh, and Indiana State is below it and so Louisville is probably more in the middle there obviously you're going to find out this week how good David Jackson really is he gets thrown into this not thrown into the fire because he's got to play the last two weeks but he gets to be the starter now he gets to take all the snaps I think you saw a lot of good things uh, from him in week two, including I thought the best throw we had was the one that was pulled back for an eligible receiver down so to the fade route down in the corner there. Um, so you're seeing, I think, some good things from him, and, and maybe that comes together with, you know, they've got some offensive skill talent, you know, offensive line's never great, but, you know, maybe it's functional. Saw some good things from the defense the first two first two games, uh, you know, especially Ohio State keeping those guys to 23 points. Marvin Harrison had two catches for 18 yards, you know, kind of proves he might be able to rely on that group a little bit. But they got a shot. I'm not going to say that it's over. You know that, that, that they got no chance. I mean, my first thought is always they're probably going to lose because I've seen them lose enough times. But um, you know, if they can win an Indy, get a start like that, that against Louisville, uh, that puts them in a lot better position. Really, I think changes the trajectory and the way that you view this team for sure. All right, great stuff, Dustin Dopirak. Enjoy college football this weekend. We'll talk next week. Will do. Thanks so much. All right, Dustin Dopirak with us Wednesdays on the show. We'll head to a commercial break. We're back with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. We'll talk some local sports, high school football this weekend, and a lot more coming up. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. 
Dorton's text line, 502-414-1450, 502-414-1450. Josh, we got to talk about the big Providence and Charlestown game, but before we do that, I mentioned earlier in the show, Kentucky, the Kentucky High School Athletic Association, not going to vote on it today, but they are at least in their board of control meeting going to discuss the potential of one-time free transfers in high school sports. Any thoughts on that? And is that where we're at now with high school sports and transfers and other things that go along with that? Yeah, the transfer portal is open, I guess. Uh, yeah, I saw that too, but it uh, sounds just like the transfer portal to me. But, uh, you know, I saw I saw that they've already had, what, 500 or something transfers, uh, and they had 700 last year, which is crazy. And, you know, it's it's definitely uh, becoming uh, – it seems that way. It's becoming uh, – coming like college and high school so i don't know next thing we'll have uh nil and all that kind of stuff too i guess hopefully not but uh you know that might be the way we're going i don't know crazy stuff never thought i'd see it in high school basketball or high school sports but i think we're getting there and it's definitely a changing world out here let's talk about high school football this week we got to start with providence and Charlestown. I think it has a chance to be a good one. Can the Pioneers continue on undefeated? Uh, and can Charlestown, who's had a solid year, and I think has a nice ball club, can they get back on track with a win? That would be a big momentum boost if the Pirates could come ahead, uh, come out victorious. Yeah, definitely on both of those. The, uh, you know, it, it it's, uh, it, you know, it looks like it's going to be the, the, the game of the week, obviously, in the preseason, of, you know, probably call it the, the game of the year in the preseason but it's uh you know it's going to be a good game i think you know obviously it's at charlestown so that's uh, you know that, that definitely counts for something i think that'll that'll give the pirates a boost uh, you know providence won won the game on the field last year by seven but then they had to forfeit because they used an eligible player but um you know providence has got pretty much everybody back and, and charlestown's lost some so you know um i would I would say Providence is the favorite heading into this game. Uh, you know, they've uh, uh, Providence has just looked unreal so far in its first uh, four games. Just absolutely dominated uh, everybody they've played. So the uh, team is rolling, uh, you know, down downhill, you know, rolling like a boulder going downhill. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, Providence has looked very very impressive so far and i would say the pioneers are uh, you know are the favorite heading in and, and will likely win but, but you know you can't count charlestown obviously playing at home and and uh, you know they've got clay mcclellan and quarterback and they've got some other playmakers so you know i expect it to be a good game at uh at the trice field uh friday night but i when it's all said and done i expect providence to win absolutely all right josh next football question for you Floyd Central, another amazing finish and a huge win for Coach Bragg and the Highlanders over Seymour. Are you surprised at Floyd Central's success and some of these great wins they've been able to get so far this season? Not really surprised, no, because they've they've had uh, you know they've had the talent. They've they've had they just had some injuries and bad luck last year. You know they had they lost those three games at the at the very end and that. You know they could have easily been seven and four, and that was that was without uh, Mitch Bernardi only played uh, one game last year because of an injury. So he's he's back and and been healthy so far for this year. And 
you know, he's he looked good. And I tell you what, their offense is, is really clicking. You know, they've got quite quite an attack. They've got Tristan Robertson, a quarterback, and, and Mitch Bernardi, running back, and then Isaac Kaiser, the wide receiver. And you know, those three are, are really uh, are really tearing it up so far for the Highlanders. They're putting up some some big numbers. You know, Tristan has accounted for five touchdowns the last two weeks. And then, uh, you know, he threw three TDs to Isaac Kaiser in the fourth quarter the other night, which is just uh, in their in their huge comeback. So, you know, they've really flipped the script but from last year. You know, when they lost a bunch of close games, now they're winning those close games. And, and you know, they've, they're, they've got, uh, you know, some, some good seniors and juniors, so they've got some good leadership on that team. And, you know, they, they definitely put themselves in a position to, to – Win the Hoosier Hills Conference. You know, obviously, there's a lot of work left to be done. They've they only won one game. They only won and win the conference. But you know, that one win was a big one against Seymour, one of the defending co-champions. So, you know, looking ahead, obviously, they play I think three of the last five on the road. But but still, there I think their toughest uh, toughest game might be against Bedford, and, and I think that one's at home. So you know, that's another plus. Uh, for Floyd Central, so you know it definitely is is uh, looking favorable that the Highlanders are definitely going to um, make a run at that Hoosier Hills Conference title, and uh, you know maybe go unbeaten to the league. We'll see, but uh, um, you know it, it, it could end up that way. All right, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. We got to get out of here, Josh. Thanks. Enjoy the I guess the middle part of the season coming up. As crazy as it sounds in high school football and. We'll talk again next Wednesday. That's right. Enjoy this weather, too, Mac. Get out and play some pickleball, right? Absolutely. Yeah, let's do it, man. This weekend, let's get it done. Sounds good. All right, Josh Cook with me here on Wednesdays from the News and Tribune. That's going to wrap things up for this Wednesday program. We'll be back with you Thursday at 11 a.m. Alex Bozich will be with us, presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. I'm headed there tonight to pick up some stuff from Todd and Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture, but uh, you can catch Alex tomorrow, thanks to Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture, uh, on our show. We'll talk IU basketball and more. Have a great Wednesday, and we'll talk tomorrow. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.